0: A few Sundays ago, uh, Johnny Madison talked about the influences that we have on the world and on the people around us. This morning, I want to talk about what the the influences that the world has on Christians. You know, we're seeing uh, a trend in our society of everyone having the tendency to accept worldly thinking, worldly practices, Worldly attitudes. And I believe this is due to the amount of exposure that we have to, to the evil around us. It's in your face everywhere you turn. This trend is really dangerous because what happens as we're exposed to that, we become desensitized. Now let me explain to, to you or give you an example of what I'm talking about. A number of years ago, when people were uh, starting to live together without being married, there was a majority of the people that was uh, outraged by this. In the not too recent past, there were people that would take a stand against homosexuality. But I'm sorry to say that today, some of those same people... That once stood with God and called these practices, what he called them, a sin. Have now bought into the world's view and call these practices lifestyles. And they say that a person ought to have the right to choose the way they want to live. And all the rest of us should get on board Accept that and support them in their choice. It's unfortunate, but there's even Christians that have got on this bandwagon. In general, our thinking has become confused because of the constant bombardment uh, we have of the evil uh, and the world's philosophy. The world will tell us that if we're a good Christian, we'll be loving and we will support, we will be tolerant of those people's life choices, regardless of what they are. And many have bought into that way of thinking. However, the Bible teaches a concept that the world, as a a rule, does not understand. And that is loving the sinner And hating the sin. There we go. I want to talk about these worldly influences. In Jude verses 22 and 23. The Bible says. And of some have compassion. Making a difference. And others save with fear. Pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garment. Spotted by the flesh. This is exactly what these scriptures are talking about. Have compassion on the sinner. Do, uh, enough compassion to do whatever it takes to pull them out of the fire and save their soul from destruction. Make a difference in any way you can. All the while hating the sin that they are involved in. I want to read a verse in uh, Hosea the 7th chapter There we go. I'm having a little trouble with this this morning. Uh, In Hosea, the seventh chapter, in verse number eight, the Bible says Ephraim hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Now we're familiar with what uh, a hot cake is like whenever you cook it on one side, you don't cook it on the other side. We know that it's distasteful. It would not be edible. And the prophet makes the comparison that Ephraim to that of a cake that was not turned. And this was due to the fact that they had allowed themselves to be influenced by the nations around them. It was like they were cooked on one side and raw on the other side. When it came to their relationship with the nations around them, they were cooked. But they were raw in their relationship to God therefore making them of no value to him. Now the people were not out and out followers of Baal, but they were not totally committed to God either. They were not totally against God, but they were not totally for him. They were, however, a far cry from loving the Lord with all their heart, soul, and mind. In Revelations uh, 3, verse 14 through 16, Jesus addressed this same issue with the church at Laodicea. And he says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. He said, I would that you were cold or hot. But because you're lukewarm and not cold or hot, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. And due to the close involvement with the nations that Israel had around them, they gradually began to accept and adopt their ways. They adopted their way of thinking, they adopted their uh, actions, and they adopted their attitudes. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, beginning with verse number three, Paul says, "But fornication and all uncleanness, and covetousness, let it not once be named among you, as become of saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which is not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this know ye that the, uh, the that no whoremonger nor unclean person." Uh, nor covetous man, which is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ of God. Uh, Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because these things becometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not therefore partakers with them. Notice what Paul said. He said, "Don't don't let any impurity be found among you, the people of God. And then he makes a statement, don't let men deceive you with vain words. You know, this is exactly what we was talking about earlier in the lesson. That people would say if you're a good Christian, that you ought to be loving and tolerant. And this is what these people were doing. He said, don't let people deceive you. Don't be deceived by this. Because those that practice these things, the wrath of God is going to come upon them. Why do you think that these things are among God's people? These sins are prevalent. I don't say prevalent, that may be a little harsh. But they are pre- uh, uh, among God's people. Do you think that it could, perhaps it could be due to the fact that we want to hold on to close relationships with the world? As we pick and choose our f- friends and our associations from worldly people rather than, than from God's people. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. You know, the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews 12 and verse 1, he encouraged us to, to lay aside every sin, everything that weighs us down, and the sin that easily entangles us in uh, the world, and run with patience the race that is set before us. It is therefore advisable to avoid worldly friendships. And that's not because we're too good for them, It's because perhaps we're not strong enough to be subjected to the the temptations day after day that we will encounter from these uh, relationships. The Bible teaches that we must live among the world. We cannot live in isolation. But it also teaches that we're not to adopt an attitude of disdain toward them either. But the Bible does teach that we must not adopt their ways. In Romans 12 and verse 2, the Apostle Paul says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul says we cannot be conformed to this world. We've got to keep our mind focused on God. What, we, what it all boils down to is we need to prove of ourselves, prove what is that uh, perfect will of God, that we are doing that. The Bible teaches we're to go out into the world to seek the lost. But not every one that we encounter is going to be a safe friend. We must continue to be on our guard because we, we don't know when we're going to be drawn away. You know, it's interesting to note that there are many that will throw away relationships, their, their spouses, their marriages, their children, the church, And do anything, get rid of anything that they feel like is going to hinder them in their pursuit of something that uh, pleases them. On the other hand, you have those that, when called upon to serve God and do away with evil uh, associations, think that is an an unreasonable sacrifice. As we form these close friendships with the world we're going to see a steady decline uh, in our service to God. There's going to be a departure from him. And I want to talk a little bit about the, de- uh, the departure in three different aspects. We uh, can depart f- uh, from God. The world can lead us into worldly thinking. We can adopt worldly ways. And finally, we can adopt worldly attitudes. In Psalms 1 and verse 1, the psalmist said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. The idea portrayed here is that the godly does not adopt a pattern of thanking like the ungodly, nor do they actively seek their uh, advice. The godly does not think that the professionals of this world have a better understanding And a a better answers than God does. When it comes to relationships. uh, Keeping marriages together. Working on marriages to improve them. Raising children. Our relationship with our fellow man. And each other in the congregation. The idea is the godly man does not accept any counsel that is contrary to the word of God. I want to look at uh, uh, Isaiah 30, verse one through three. The Bible says, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, that walk to go down to Egypt, And have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore, shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame, and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. Notice what he says that they walk to go down to Egypt for their counsel and uh, to be with the world. The idea is they put forth a great deal of effort seeking the counsel and the association with the world. While all the while, they could have made it easy on themselves by seeking God's counsel. And God says, because that you have done this, this rebellion is going to be your downfall. If we examine ourselves Daily, And it reveals that our, we're readily accepting the worldly uh, philosophies, the way they think, the things that the world embraces. Rather than what God teaches, perhaps we have started that departure from God. Number two, the psalmist said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the uh, counsel of the ungodly. I'm sorry I didn't Uh, in Amos uh, uh, 3 and verse 3 the Bible says can two walk together except they agree. Now number uh, two. The psalmist says not only does he not uh, seek the counsel of the ungodly but he don't stand with the sinner. The idea here is that the godly man does not identify with the ungodly. He does not stand with, endorse, or live by the same set of standards they do. He doesn't take on their traits. But you know the sad thing about it is generally I believe the majority of people want to do what is right. But the peer pressure of the associations we have is so great it keeps many standing with the world. You know, that's exactly what happened to uh, the chief priests or the chief rulers in Jesus' day. In John, the 12th chapter, beginning with verse number 42, The Bible says nevertheless among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees they did not confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. I want to uh, turn your attention to 2 Chronicles 18. And I'm going to begin reading with verse number 1. The Bible says now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance. And joined affinity with Ahab. And after certain years he went down to Ahab to Samaria. And Ahab killed sheep and oxen for him in abundance. And, uh, and for the people that he had with him. And uh, persuaded him to go up to, with him to Ramoth Gilead. And Ahab king of Israel said unto uh, Jehoshaphat king of Judah. Wilt thou go? Uh, I'm sorry. I'll, and he answered him, uh, "Wilt thou go up with me to Ramoth Gilead?" And he answered him, "I am as thou art, and my people is thy people, and we will be with thee in war." Now notice what he said. He had joined affinity. He had made this uh, association with God's enemies. And he asked him says, "Are you going to you going to go with me?" And he says, "I am as you are." This is a man of God. He says, "I am as you are." And my people are just like your people. There's no distinction. You know, as we form these close relationships with the world, We don't realize that they can uh, cause uh, far-reaching consequences. In several chapters prior to this reading, we read of a man named Asa. And the Bible says that Asa had done that that was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. However, his son Jehoshaphat that we just read about was a man of compromise. And he joined affinity with uh, uh, the enemies of God. Then his son, Jehoram, married Ahab's daughter. Ahab was one of the most wicked kings that Israel ever knew. And Jehoshaphat had formed an alliance with him, had association with him. And then his son, Jehoram, The Bible says that uh, he did that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Jehoshaphat's son was exposed to all that evil. He embraced that evil and soon he turned his back on God completely. 2 Chronicles uh, 21 and verse 6, speaking of Jehoram said and he walked in the way of the kings of Israel like as did the house of Ahab for he had the daughter of Ahab to wife and he wrought that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord we see the influence the world can have on us this was gradual it was, th- it was three generations in this case I think it uh, moves a little faster than that now but because of the evil association that uh, Jehoshaphat's family was uh, subjected to, it caused this, uh, one of his children to embrace that evil and turn his back completely on God. Now I'm sure that Jehoshaphat never had any intention of this happening to his family. I'm sure that he never felt like that there was going to be any problem, any adverse effect. But these evil influences, he failed to identify these evil influences and protect and uh, take drastic measures to protect his family and himself from, uh, from this evil. The scripture warns us over and over to not, uh, to not form close relationships with those of the world. Solomon said, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Proverbs uh, 1 and verse 10. Proverbs 3 verse 31. Solomon said, Envy not the oppressor and choose none of his ways. Do we find it more difficult as days goes by to uh, make a distinction between the way that we live and the way the world lives their lives? The biblical question is, can two walk together except they agree? Number three. David said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. And finally, David says he doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. In Psalms 141 verse four, David said, incline not my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity, and let me not eat of their dainties. You know, the psalmist described the righteous man as avoiding the seat of the scornful, fearing spending much time with the ungodly, Lest he should eat of, laugh at, admire, approve of, or justify their practices. In other words, adopting their attitudes. And I want to take just a minute to talk about something very specific. That has a great deal of influence on each one of us on a daily basis. And that's the television and the movies that are available for our so-called entertainment. Too often these shows out there are nothing but subtle promotions of sinful behavior. And as we subject ourselves uh, to them over and over, the human tendency allows us to gradually become desensitized. And soon accept this behavior as the norm. Satan uses this tool to appeal to our sense of entertainment, but what actually happens over a- the course of time? It changes our attitudes, and we become partakers of their dainties. As da- uh, as David said, we eat and we approve. And we act like the world. You know, we must guard against these worldly associations and these uh, adopting these attitudes. For when we adopt these attitudes, attitudes affect every aspect of our life. And when we adopt these attitudes, we have become like the world. You know, Jesus told his disciples to pray that they would not be led into temptation. Y'all have to bear with me. I have, My glasses are not working very well this morning. I'm over, uh, look that verse that I was wanting to read. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and read it because that's what we was talking about. Paul says that being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, and without natural affection, Without understanding covenant breakers without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that tho- that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them. Paul talked about people that committed these sins, and then he made reference to those that Took pleasure in those that did them. My question this morning is do we take pleasure in watching things on TV or the movies that portrays people behaving in an un- ungodly manner? We will be we may not be actually involved in those sins. We not may not actually be doing them. But if we take pleasure in watching people that are uh, engaged in this ungodly behavior. The Bible says the judgment of the Lord is going to come upon us. Now we can choose to ignore that. We can choose to think that oh it's not like that. But that's what he says. He says not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them. Now then, attitudes uh, have effect on every part of our life. And when we adopt these attitudes, and we will, as we are subjected to this over and over, we will uh, adopt these attitudes, and we will become like the world. Jesus told his disciples that they should not be led in, pray that not to be led into temptation. C.S. Lewis said, Lead us not into temptation often means, among other things, deny me those highly interesting contacts. He says, I need to be denied those interesting contacts. He says, that participation in brilliant movements of our age which I so often, at such risk, desire. Now what Mr. Lewis was saying, that if you truly don't want to be led into temptation, you need to deny yourself spending a great deal of time with worldly friends, those that, uh, the in crowd, so to speak, those that are totally committed to worldly agendas, and are always seeking to be involved in anything pleasurable. Mr. Lewis says whenever we do this, it's risky. But he said the human tendency is that we desire the involvement in uh, the worldly things. Satan knows us all too well. You know, some of this stuff we're subjected to, we think, may think it's harmless, but Satan uses these tools He knows us all too well. He knows that we naturally want to be accepted by our peers. And Satan very cleverly uses these tendencies to gently draw us away from God. Satan works ever so subtle. And he uses others to plant seeds of doubt in God's ways. And seeds of thought like... Why not indulge? It won't hurt anything. He even uses our amusements to distract us from working for God or maybe even thinking of him. We have to be always cautious about our friendships and our relationships with these things in mind. We need to ask ourselves daily, are my pastimes and my friends bringing me closer to God or drawing me further away from him? In Jeremiah 2, verse 25, the Bible says, withhold my, thy foot from being unshod, and thy throat from thirst. But thou sayest, there is no hope, no, for I have loved strangers, and after them I will go. To desire to be with the ungodly, to desire their company, is to make a distinct uh, choice against God. The Apostle John said in 1 John uh, 2, beginning with verse number 15. Love not the world, neither the things in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life are not of the Father but of the, uh, of the world. I want to refer back to uh, the reading in uh, Hosea, the seventh chapter. But this time I want to read verse seven and eight. The Bible says, Ephraim hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knoweth it not. Yea, gray hairs are here and there upon him, and he knoweth it not. You know, the spiritual vitality of the nation was being sapped, by, but it was due to their evil associations. They had formed these relationships and adopted their ways, they adopted their way of thinking, their actions, and their attitudes. These relationships of, of the nation around them along, had caused them to compromise their beliefs in God, compromise their ways. They tolerated sin. They relaxed their moral standards. All these alliances that they were making with the nation around them was making them prematurely old. And Israel was blind to the fact that they were on their last leg. The same is true of Christians who want to have a mixture of good and evil in their lives. There is no way that we can gain spiritual strength while we embrace the world around us. We cannot have it both ways. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, in verse 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and, the, cu- and be, uh, the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. But we tend to think that we can handle this close association. And come out of it unscathed. Over and over we've deceived ourselves into thinking that. You know, I think a parallel to this, uh, well, I'm going to read uh, Psalms, uh, Proverbs 6 and verse 27. Solomon asked the question, can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can, man, uh, can one go up on hot coals in his feet uh, not be burned? And whenever I read this, I think about the time that uh, our house burned. And I believe it's a parallel but Vicky and I would walk through the, the rubble of the house looking to see if there was anything we could salvage. What actually happened was we got the ashes and sud on our clothing. And the smell that lingered on our clothing was horrible. And I believe that's true today as we walk through the rubble of the world. It will attach itself to us. And it will make it impossible for our spiritual well-being to not be affected. In Revelation 18 and verse 4, John said, And I heard of another voice from heaven, saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. It will take a conscious effort to avoid being drawn into the uh, world world's way of thinking. Adopting their, way, her, their ways and their attitudes. But I'm going to tell you, spending time in God's word, our prayer life, having a good prayer life, associating with uh, people, God, God's people, godly people, will prove to be effective tools in battling entanglement in the world and its philosophies. Just remember, who you associate with is who you will emulate. You know, it seems we forget that God wants the best for his people. Over and over, God has warned us about relationships that will draw us away from him. God told Israel not to intermarry with the nations around them. It was not to keep them from being happy, but it was for their good to keep them from uh, having to experience adverse consequences. God knew that the evil influences would be strong and it would lure them away from him. But when Israel and Judah failed to listen to God, that's exactly what happened to them. And I'm going to tell you it will happen to us today if we're not careful. You know Solomon said basically the same thing that David did. David said blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners nor setteth in the seat of the scornful. But Solomon said enter not into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. Notice what he says. Avoid it Pass not by it, turn from it and pass away. That leaves nothing unturned. He says, if we are going to be godly, we're going to have to avoid this. Don't even pass by it. Don't even look at it. Don't turn, from, uh, turn but to turn from it and pass away. God's plea yesterday and His plea today. Is that we make our friendships in close association with God's people. In 2 Corinthians 6, verse 17, the Bible says, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. The lesson is yours this morning. We don't know the hearts and minds of those present. But this morning, if you need a spiritual healing, Jesus can do that for you and give you a fresh start. If you wish to be obedient to the Lord in baptism, we encourage you to do that this morning. If you have a spiritual need that you would like the congregation to pray with and for you, my plea to you this morning is to do whatever it takes, whatever is necessary to get your life right and form that close walk with God. Jesus' invitation is extended to you this morning. Would you come as we stand and sing?